Good morning, everyone. Welcome to the Passages of Summer edition of the 7am Novelist. I'm Michelle Hoover, your host. Now, we all know that the early pages of a novel or story are really difficult to get right. So this summer, we're discussing the choices that went into a range of authors' first pages in terms of scene, structure, language, etc., and how those choices might help you with your own first pages. Today, I am very happy that we get to hear from Kirthana Ramasetti, who is going to share the first pages of her latest novel, Advika and the Hollywood Wives. Good morning, Kirthana. Good morning. Thank you so much for being on the show. Kirthana Ramasetti is the author of Davi Shastra's Last Day, a Good Morning America book club selection, which is in development as a television series for HBO Max. Congratulations on that. That's really awesome, by the way. I know we'll all look for it. Uh, She's also the author of Advika and the Hollywood Wives, a book club of the month pick and named one of the best books of April by Apple Books. Her work has been published in the New York Times, the Wall Street Journal, the Atlantic Salon, and elsewhere. A former entertainment reporter for Newsday and the New York Daily News, she earned her MFA in creative writing from Emerson College and lives in New York City. Okay, I'm going to shut up now so that you can give our listeners a quick summary of the book, and then we'll hear from these first pages. Sounds good. So my novel is about Advika Srinivasan. She's an aspiring screenwriter who's also mourning the death of her twin sister. To pay the bills, she works at a lot of A-list events, including the Governor's Ball, which is the first official after party of the Oscars. While there, she meets Julian Zelding, who is a powerful film producer and a five-time Oscar winner. And he's also four decades her senior. Despite their uh, many differences, they hit it off when they meet at the governor's ball, uh, go have a whirlwind romance, and end up getting married about four months later. Um, Not too long after that, Julian's first ex-wife passes away, and in her will, she leaves $1 million and a film reel to Advika saying, I will bequeath this to you if you divorce Julian. Now, Advika is freaked out, realizes she has no idea who she married, and decides to explore who her new husband really is the eyes experiences of his ex-wives, all of whom are famous too. One's a actress, one's a pop star, and one's a reality star. Wonderful. And how early in the book does that ex-wife die and she gets this uh opera this crazy choice that she has to make? Uh happens in like the first third of the novel. I would want to yeah. say around the page 50 mark, I'd like to say. Uh-huh. That's perfect. All right. Yeah. yeah, that seems just to be the hook that's like, ooh, okay. Yeah. Okay, let's hear these pages. All right, sounds good. All right. Advika Srinivasan couldn't take her eyes off the Oscar. It was tottering on the edge of the bar, its golden bald head catching the light in the midst of a swirl of conversations and shattered drink orders. As she nodded at requests of martini directed to her face and scotch neat to her chest, Advika still found her gaze drawn to the gold statuette disbelieving that something could seem so magnificent and mundane at the same time. Only when she was making a martini for a pink-haired woman wearing a feathery blue dress did she stop to wonder why an Academy Award was perched there for so long. By the time she poured four glasses of champagne and a tray of tequila shots, it was gone. The award show had ended an hour ago, yet new waves of people kept streaming into the governor's ball from the nearby Dolby Theater, And as this was the first official after party following the Oscars, the undulating, sparkling mass all seemed intent on getting drunk. 
Luckily for Advika, her station was out of the way of the main scrum, situated next to the unofficial smoker's patio at the far north edge of the ballroom. She liked that this gave her an outside view of the revelry, which was spotlit in violet by an impressive array of lotus-shaped lights twirling above. Interspersed among the tuxedos and couture gowns were flashes of gold. That was where most people were clustered, around the people clutching trophies, their faces overtaken by enormous smiles. Advika envied their joy, the kind so pure and overwhelming that it's impossible to hide, so why bother trying? She shook her gaze off the throng, willing herself to focus on her job so that there would be another job and another one after that. The steady stream of patrons to her bar continued for another half hour before finally dissipating. As she contemplated taking her break, someone arrived at the party whose presence electrified the crowd, and they all seemed to surge en masse toward the movie star, because of course it was a movie star. What's going on, said Dean, her go bartender. He towered a foot above her, which meant his body odor drifted down on her like a treetop shedding leaves. Ramsey Howell, Advika said. She briefly spied the actor's blonde hair and the Oscar in his hand before, before he was swarmed by well-wishers. An odd, excited chant of, Ramsey's here, went up and circulated in the air, a low, persistent buzz that kept head swiveling in his direction. Oh, Jean scratched behind his ear. Um, be right back then, he said, bending down to shout in her face. But instead of walking toward the break area, he joined the party guests flocking toward the actor. Wait, no. But it was too late. Dean's scarecrow height and narrow shoulders quickly disappeared among the people crowded into the ballroom. Dean was a newbie, but she hadn't pegged him as a total amateur. How did he even get this gig? She wondered, hopping from foot to one foot to another, her toes numb from having squeezed them into black one-size-too-small loafers she had hurriedly purchased hours earlier from Payless. She gripped the edge of her bar with slippery fingers and debated whether she should take off her shoes, worrying that once she did, her feet would rebel against going back in. With Dean's desertion, there went Advika's hopes for taking her break. To distract herself from her foot pain, she imagined that she was one of the party guests rather than a mere bartender. If Advika was invited to the Oscars, of course she would be there as a nominee. And as long as she was daydreaming, she might as well make herself a winner too. She didn't know much about designers beyond the big names, Versace and Oscar de la Renta and Ralph Lauren. But for her one moment in the spotlight, Advika would choose an up-and-coming Indian designer for her gown, and the form-fitting gown would be a brilliant shade of crimson with tasteful gold accents, which she would wear along with stylish but comfortable shoes, maybe a custom pair from Converse. Her makeup would be simple, just soft red lips and winged eyeliner. It would be the kind of look dramatic, elegant, a touch whimsical, that would get her on all the best dress lists, despite being a mere screenwriter. Usually when Advika let herself daydream about winning an award, it'd be about the speech she would give, touching yet funny, eliciting laughter from the front row of A-listers, and by the end of it, they'd be wiping away tears as they applauded. The camera would then cut to Advika's handsome partner, who would jump out of his seat and give her a standing ovation, as everyone around her marveled at how supportive he was of her. It was a fantasy she had envisioned for herself since her junior year of high school, and the shape of it had barely changed over the past 10 years. So, but to be at the governor's ball, in the midst of actual in the midst of actual winners, high on their own achievements, watching several famous women exchange embraces in between gab fests, gave Advika a new aching dream. 
She didn't want it just to win. She wanted to be a part of all this, not just a tourist, given a day pass into the Hollywood dream, but an esteemed member of this community ensconced in an inner circle. Wonderful. Okay. Thank you so much for reading that. Um, so were these always your first pages of this novel? They were. The funny thing is, I didn't even realize this until I went back to look at earlier drafts, but the first paragraph of this first novel is the same first paragraph of my earliest drafts I ever wrote of this novel, which surprised even me because that is not normal. It's very unusual. Somehow that one, that one paragraph remained the same. But in terms of everything else, um, a lot changed. This always started at the governor's ball because it's where Agatha meets Julian. And then they have their first meet cute, for, so to speak, because she's a fan of romantic comedies. Um, but I've decided it was important not to have them meet right away. In the initial draft, she met him on page two, which is right after Jean walks away to follow the movie star. But I thought it was important to ground Advika's character um, to the reader in the sense of how much it hurts her to be at the Oscars after party and be there as a bartender rather than as a person who's attending as an invitee. So that's why I decided to kind of give, you know, the, give the chapter beginning where the Oscars have just ended and the, all the massive nominees and invited guests are like flowing in to the ballroom and she's just taking it in for the first time. What it's like for her as an aspiring screenwriter to be surrounded by all these people who she'd love to be her peers, but as an aspiring screenwriter, she's so far away from reaching her dreams. It's kind of like the ultimate moment of feeling like an outsider at, at an, an event that's such an insider event. It's the biggest night in Hollywood and she can only be there as a bartender and not as screenwriter, which she so longs to be. And I think it's interesting. Do you, does her interest in being part of this crowd, does it change as the novel continues? It does, because once she um, meets Julian and they begin the relationship, she sees that there's a lot from the outside looking in. There seems like you have made in terms of your fame, everyone respects you for your career and your um, you're held in high esteem by members of the, of the industry of Hollywood. But then she starts seeing the dark side of that. And there's a real dark controlling nature into her new husband. Uh, spoiler alert, she does marry Julian, of course but also the Hollywood stuff and how much people have to compromise their dreams to be able to become A-listers, to become renowned in the industry. Yeah, exactly. And I feel like you kind of predict that because in this early paragraph, which your subconscious gifted you and you were able to just stick with it. So we initially have this, this, the symbol of Hollywood, um, of the Oscar, and we we get it as the object, and she calls it that it's it's both magnificent and mundane at the same time. At the same time, which I think is wonderful. It's, it's it's a little bit of a takedown. I mean, she she looks at it in glowing terms. She's staring at it. She can't take her eyes off it. However, one of the guests has actually left it on the bar as if it was just another empty glass. <laughs> so they don't even almost seem to consider it all that important. It's just it's it's just something to be. Be taken away it's just an object um and the people there seem ridiculous so we get our first image of one of the guests is is um she's making a martini for a pink-haired woman wearing a feathery uh feathery blue dress and that i don't know i just it just seems an image of ridiculousness all these people are drunk we actually mostly see them through 
um, their suits or their gowns, their clothing and not who they really are. It's almost like they're just these empty vessels where Advika we're immediately drawn to. Um, and I and and even Dean becomes more human, at least at first, um, than than the other guests. Even even though he has some body odor problems, we still feel like we're closer to him, whether we want to be or not, um, than than these other guests. So I just I just think it's an interesting coming together. I was teaching um, I was teaching the other night, and, and we were talking about tertiary characters, and oftentimes tertiary characters are. Sadly, um, the waiters, the wait staff at a party like that, we don't oftentimes get the stories through them. And so, and it's just, it's both kind of a classist idea. It's oftentimes a racist idea as well. Um, but I feel that stories, contemporary stories, much more focused on those characters and make those the main character. And we are so on her side right from the get-go. I mean, her shoes hurt. <laughs> I have been there. I have done that. I've, I've, I've bought those shoes that are too small for me and had to wear them for work. And then this line that you have, she has to will herself to focus on her job so that there would be another job and another one after that. Um, so just her need to keep going and to deal with these, what the reader, I think, thinks are kind of silly, ridiculous people. We expect that she will, she's so starry-eyed at the time. Um, I, I We kind of expect that she's going to to catch up to that. And that's going to be part of her, her learning curve. Um, it, it, it works exceptionally well. Now, do you consider this a romance? I do not. I am, but it was important to me in these early pages, right before Advika meets Julian, and once they do meet, that feels like a romance because it feels like a romance to her. Um, not only is she an aspiring screenwriter, she's also a huge fan of romantic comedies. So when she and Julian first hit it off, she's viewing it through the lens of romantic comedies and what it feels like to fall in love for the first time because she really never has. And one of the things I wanted to make important in these early pages is that Advika is so enamored of Hollywood and what it'd be like to be accepted in this industry so that when she does meet Julian, who is, she's in her 20s, he's in his 60s, and she's so surprised that he's taken an interest in her. And she doesn't quite get it. He has just won an Oscar. The Oscar that was left at her station, that was his Oscar. Ah, um, I, was, I thought we were supposed to remember that. Yes. Yeah. He comes back again with his Oscar and says, you didn't notice me the first time, so here I am. And she she understands like this is weird that this older man who's so powerful in Hollywood who's just won another Oscar is paying attention to me but she gives in to it because she is so starved for connection as I mentioned she is mourning the death of her twin sister and she you know she longs to be a screenwriter this is where she wants to be this is where she wants to belong so she's like you know what if she's showing an interest in me this is kind of strange, but we both have we're both connected over a love of movies. So I'll just give it a chance. So I wanted to play like a romance in the open in the first few chapters, because for Africa, it is a romance. Yeah. Um, some readers do see the red flags in the relationship early on, but for her, she kind of just is tunnel visioned and just wants to stay in the romance bubble for as long as she can. Was your first book, I forget, what genre did, um, and, and a lot of these genres normally come from publishers and from readers than from writers, um, sure. but your first book, was what was that genre, what genre was that considered? So that was like upmarket fiction. It was a family saga. Yeah, yeah. So, so you, though, when I looked this up, I looked this book up, it was categorized as romance still. 
which I think is interesting because I think it functions as an anti-romance in the end. I mean, I truly think of it as an anti-romance. I what I really actually think of this is a book about friendship because Advika gets through this tumultuous relationship ha she has in her new marriage and processing her sister's death through her friendships. But I thought it would be interesting to have her be such a romantic comedy fan and then find that her her first relationship where she actually falls in love and gets married is not what she not all of what should be. And that's the way she processes it, it is through friendship. But yeah, this is because kind of, I think a lot of people are surprised when they read this book that it takes that dark turn where it goes from romance into something darker. But I like you, I think of it as an anti-romance in a lot of ways. Absolutely. Well, and I feel like do you do you read a lot of romances? I'm a fan of a lot of romances. I'm also a big fan of romantic comedies. So yep. I think it's a wonderful, fun genre. And one of my goals with this book is I didn't want Africa to be seen like because she loves romantic comedies, this is why this happened to her. I wanted her pure love of romantic comedies to be something that sustains throughout the novel. And even though her marriage to Julian isn't what she thought it would be, it doesn't mean that she was wrong to love these films that have given her so much and joy and, you know, have also inspired her to be a writer as well. Right. Because she's coming from at that angle. And yeah, you know, so that the the glitz of the parties, the drunkenness, the bad pink hair, all of that is not really what she loves. I mean, it's kind of the spectacle around it. She thinks she wants to be in that world, but it's it's the films, it's it's the art behind the films, it's the writing. Um, and to separate the two is probably very, very hard to do. But what I like that you've done is that you you were thinking about it in terms of our normal expectations for for romance, which is the meet cute happens in the first chapter, and yet you delayed it. So that immediately gives a signal to the reader, um, no, <laughs> this is focusing on my main character. This is going to be about her, not about the romance. Um, and I love that. Now, when you, um, have you worked with the same agent and editor for these first two books? I have, yeah. Yeah. Um, how did they respond to this book? Were they trying to push it in one direction or another? Or how? what was their feedback as you gave the book to them? They always knew and embraced the fact that this, even though it starts as a meet cute romance, it goes somewhere else. And it's really about Avika's relationship to her friends, to herself. And honestly, there's three other women she gets to know um, by researching her new husband. She calls it a weird sisterhood because they are all bonded by their, their relationship with Julian and the fact that they were all very ambitious women but their relationship with him that, that he stymied their ambition in a lot of ways to serve his own purposes um so one of the best um two pieces of advice my editor gave me one she encouraged me to make Advika and julian's meet cute as romantic as possible so the reader understood you know why this famous man would take his time out to talk to you know a mere bartender mm -hmm. um to really foreground the romance and their connection and then one of the ways I did that was an introduction of the movie star, Ramsey Howell. Originally, I had him just be Leonardo DiCaprio because that's, <laughs> this is the other 2015 Oscars and he won that year. 
I said, I just had him named Leonardo DiCaprio. And that's the person who catches everyone's attention as he walks into the room, the Hollywood prince who finally won his first Oscar. But my editor is like, you should probably fictionalize him. And I said, okay, that makes sense. I should probably do that. But the, my, the reason I introduced that character early on in the novel is because kind of like Leonardo DiCaprio, he's the prince of Hollywood. Everyone's so excited for him. He's a big movie star. He finally got his first Oscar win. But after Vika and Julian went to have their first conversation, they actually bond over the fact that they didn't like Ramsey Howell's movie and they found it over the top and histrionic. So it kind of gave them moments of connection where despite their stations in life and how different they are in age, income, status, that point of connection is what kind of leads to a deeper conversation between the two. Fantastic. And you made that change with the help of your agent? My editor. With My editor points out, yeah. Yeah. Were there other were there other changes that you um, made with her help or even just getting general feedback or even just looking at the, you know, we we revise these books over sometimes over a long period of time. I, I always tell people you're going to want to set fire to your book and then bury it and then have it your dog eat it and then set fire to it again. And then maybe you'll be done. Um, so. Were there other ways that um, other things, other realizations that you had about these first pages or even as it continued that you came to in the revision process or from your editor? I think when I think of these first pages, I think of I had to get that first chapter right in terms of their first interaction, which I didn't read about in these opening pages. But it's the idea of how do these two people meet and connect to the point that Advika decides to leave with the party with him, um, despite her better judgment. So it was a lot of figuring out what their first interaction would be. Would it just be all sparkling flirtation? Or would there be something that would kind of make her feel even closer to, to him, just beyond the fact that they're connected by their love of movies? And so what I came up with initially, first it was a sparkling banter and flirtation. But then I think with the help of my uh, editor in terms of feedback, I actually had her experience a moment where, you know, she's also Indian American working at, you know, as a bartender at this event. So she feels, she really feels like a nobody among all these somebodies. And so they have, she has an interaction with another um, guest at the party who treats her very badly. Mm. And Julian, Julian sees that and comes to, comes to find her and see if she's okay. And that's the moment where she's like, oh, he really does. He's not just this famous guy. He actually cares about me as a human being. And that was the moment where she's like, okay. I'll throw caution to the winds and see where this goes. So it was really important to get that first, uh, those first scenes together, right? In terms of beyond their initial connection about being movie fans, what is it about her that makes her trust him enough to like leave the party with him when he asks her to? Right. And um, I love this idea of the weird sisters, of course, the Shakespearean weird sisters. How early on do you introduce them in the book? You know, it's so interesting. Actually, I take a while to introduce them only because as part of Agnika's love bubble, she knows she's dating a very famous man in Hollywood. And to keep herself in the love bubble, she does the exact opposite thing that most of us would do in that situation. She does not Google him. Yes. And, <laughs> and he actually asks her, you know, get to know me for me. Don't go. Don't Google me. Don't look at my past. Let's just kind of figure out who we are together. And she does because she's a part of her knows that she does. She's not going to necessarily like what she sees beyond I mean just the idea like he had famous wives how am I as a mere bartender nobody can compete with the fact that he was married to these glamorous women eventually she does find out so probably 
as they're dating, she does Google him a little bit and see like the names of his ex-wives in the Wikipedia page. And even that puts her on guard. Now they're human beings. He does have a past and he won't talk about it with her. So it takes, um, she eventually learns about them in more in depth once uh, Julian's first ex-wife passes away and her will um, tells her that, calls her a child bride and says, um, if Ch Julian's latest child bride will divorce him, I will give her a million dollars. And that really wakes her up to the idea that I really kind of put my, my head in the sand about this. I need to wake up and figure out what's really happening here. Yeah. Do you know the tale of Bluebeard? I do. And I've had those comparisons also. Absolutely. So on mine. Yeah. There's Bluebeard all over this. And, yeah. and Bluebeard is basically considered like one of our first horror stories. <laughs> so you're also leaning into that, which I think adds to the tension because I think writers don't realize that we've come from this history of stories um, that a lot of people share. And so when we bring that kind of background and experience with us to the page and we instantly see, a man who's five years her, her five uh, decades her senior, um, you know, and also this history of all these ex-wives and <laughs> this we're going to bring this in and 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 we're going to worry and we're going to worry that um, there's only one room that she's not supposed to to go into <laughs> and 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 she's going to need those those weird sister friends absolutely absolutely all right i'm going to have to let you go but i think this is absolutely wonderful everyone you can find our full schedule on our substack page at 7amnovelist.substack.com subscribe there for updates you could also find our full range of podcast episodes on that page including episodes from our past two writing challenges we did two big writing challenges one last november and one in march um lots of great writers with lots of great um tidbits for you as you're working on your books. You can also find all of those on your favorite podcast platforms. And if you like what we're doing, please follow, rate, and review our podcast so that we can reach other listeners. Okay. One last question for you. What advice do you give to authors about their own first pages? You know, this is such a great question. And I think we all as writers feel a lot of pressure when thinking about the first pages of our novels, because we know we have to capture the attention of readers. And what it's helped me as I work on my work now is, um, so when I'm, we all have towering TBRs, right? We all have books we want to read and how do we figure out what book to read next? So what often I do when I go to my stack of books that I want to read next, I'll read the first page of every book and whatever hooks me first is a book I'll read next. And sometimes I'm in, I'm in a mood for romantic comedy, sometimes I'm in a mood, mood for something of, you know, a literary novel, but whatever captures my attention at the moment, that's what I go towards. And that's what we all do in bookstores too. We're always at the bookstore looking at book covers and reading the first few sentences. And I think that's really important to keep in mind. Um, and then also knowing when to start your novel and knowing mm -hmm. when your inciting incident takes place, because sometimes what we tend to do, and I know I've done this before when writing my novels, is I tend to give a lot of backstory before just getting to the point where the novel starts. Mm -hmm. And you should start try to start your novel as close as soon as possible, close to the inciting incident, because that will also grab the reader's attention immediately too. Which is absolutely what you do in this first chapter. Um, again, I mean, we see her vulnerable. We see what she wants. You're just setting up so much. Now, when you are looking at those books and looking at those first pages, I mean, I will sometimes do that and I'll go, be like, oh, it, it reminds me that what I'm doing <laughs> 
is not working. <laughs> you know, I'm like, yeah, Michelle, this, this is not working. You don't, you haven't quite hit that kick uh, or quite hit that, that need. Is that part of your, your two, as you're looking around for those books and looking around for those beginnings? Yeah, I think so. <laughs> yeah, I think sometimes part of it's like what mood I am in the moment. This part yeah, of me is like, yeah. why did this grab me? I have like seven books on my, my, on my desk right now. Why did this book grab me? And I think it's really important to think about with my own writing as well. Because one thing I always think about is we're not entitled to anyone's intention. Now more than ever, we're all very, um, <laughs> we're, our attention spans are shorter than ever, let me just say. So if there's a way to grab a reader's attention really quickly and keep them reading, then that's the best thing you can do. So it's really important to hone those first pages and get people sucked in as, as soon as possible. Absolutely. And always when you're reading, read to learn and read to learn what you like, because yes. this podcast can give you all sorts of recommendations to do all sorts of things, but it's kind of hard to, and that's why I like that, that we have our writers sharing first pages, but it's kind of hard to make use of that advice until you really see something close to what you're doing or something that you really want to do on pages that really invite you in. And then it just, as you said, we can think, what is this author doing that is grabbing me and how can I use this? Um, you know, and it's not, it's not about plagiarizing. It's not about, oh, I'll just take the first page, but it's, it's, it's taking and, and borrowing from those techniques um, that the author is using and, and putting them in your toolbox. Um, and I think, so how is your next book going and, and are you beginning your next book? Are you finishing your next book? I am beginning my next book. And I, I, the first thing I thought about when writing this first book is that how can I be attention grabbing with this first chapter, even the first sentence. I love really interesting, provocative first sentences. And I think I have one with mine, at least I hope so. But I feel like that's kind of the fun of writing too. There's so many ways to tell a story, but if there's a way you can tell a story with a very interesting, provocative first sentence or first scene that pe gets people wanting to know more, then there's nothing more fun to do, honestly. Yeah, because you can't ignore the fact, Ian Foster says, at heart, readers want to know what happens next. And that's one of the main reasons why they read. And you can try to ignore that and, and, and try to pretend that you're doing something more elevated than that. But overall, what readers want is to know what happens next. Okay, thank you so much for being with us. Thank you. And everyone, I hope you can take some of this advice and take it to your own writing or at least feel um, a spark of inspiration as you work on your own work. Thank you so much. Thank you. There isn't nothing here at all